Well, we've come to chapter 10, and it is last, not because it's of least importance, but because at this point, I trust with uh, 10 weeks under your belt with your partner, there's a lot of openness now. There's a kind of uh, connection that allows some vulnerability and transparency as we get to specific areas that need accountability, uh, maybe need some confession, some help, some mutual support. So we'll dive into this chapter, and as we do, we want to follow up on anything that was left, uh, maybe undone, or anything that needs following following up on. Maybe that's the, the books of the Bible. If that was a little rocky, we can follow up on that at the beginning of chapter 10, make sure we can recite the books of the Bible. Uh, maybe there's a verse or two that needs to be reviewed. Uh, certainly, we want to get to Titus 2, 11 and 12, the memory verses for this chapter. Uh, and then I prompted you in the instructions on this chapter to maybe bring something to express uh, your gratitude for the person that you've gone through partners with. Hopefully there's been a relationship built and uh, you can step into this final chapter with, um, with a good friendship that you've built over the last uh, few months going through partners. Well, our memory verse for this uh, chapter is a great platform for the entire chapter as it brings uh, grace and effort uh, kind of together in one verse to show us that grace itself is obviously not a license for us to relax or to lay back or to not care about sin, uh, but to vigorously pursue righteousness. As I say in the manual, we want uh, to understand grace in its proper context that uh, while we do nothing to get saved, grace certainly trains us to deny ungodliness and pursue righteousness. And as we try to make that important distinction in the very beginning of the chapter, that we never want to see our sanctification as a means to acquiring our justification. We never want to see holy living as a means of acquiring grace. It's a response to grace. It is something that God does um, uh, helps us do as we respond to His uh, gift of grace and His work in our lives. But certainly it demands effort and God is going to call us to work out our salvation. Uh, certainly empowers us. He keeps us living. We live in Him and, and uh, exist in Him and have our being in Him. But clearly uh, this is going to be a, a struggle as we seek to put to death the deeds of the flesh and as we seek to grow in our Christian faith and understanding what it is uh, to fight sin and temptation in a very ungodly environment and uh, seek to pursue righteousness. So uh, as long as we understand the connection between grace and effort and grace uh, and good works, we can uh, enter into the discussion about holy living without any confusion uh, of trying to earn a place in God's family. It's a very short section where I talk about the standard of holiness, but it is important because there are some, maybe they've been in the uh, church for a long time, they've been Christians for a long time, and they start to believe that because maybe they're uh, Christian life has gone relatively well and maybe they compare their own uh, struggles with sin to be minor compared to others that they know or work with in the church, uh, that there's no room for growth. I mean, it'd be hard for anyone to say that out loud, but certainly there's a mentality that I run into in the church where uh, people can begin to coast or feel like uh, as they compare themselves with others, there's not a real urgency to grow. But of course, the standard is God's holiness. Uh, the standard is Christ's likeness. And so whether we've been a Christian for three years or, or 63, years. There's a long way for us to go uh, to begin to think and react and, uh, and to speak and to uh, deal with every situation and temptation as Christ would. So we just want to make sure that everyone, regardless of where they're at in their Christian life, sees that we have uh, a standard to which we all can uh, continue to uh, strive toward and begin to uh, measure our lives against so that we know that we'll be growing for the rest of our Christian life. We'll be growing in holiness uh, till the day in which we die. That, that is the standard uh, for Christian living.
Talk about God's commands or his clear directives. And it is important for us as we read the Bible to start to see those verbal commands or what we call in grammar imperatives. Uh, God is serious about giving us uh, instructions as to how to live godly lives. And we need to pay attention to those. And whenever we spend time studying the Bible, maybe through the TAN method, then always now, we need to look for those passages uh, that are going to direct us in the Christian life. And certainly in the epistles, as Paul writes most of his epistles in particular, uh, the second half of his epistles usually focus on those imperatives. And those are so important for us to underscore and to recognize uh, that they help us understand the character of God and the standard of holiness to which God has called us. It's a very short section uh, that I titled Garbage In, Garbage Out, or filtering our, our input, the intake of our lives and our thought life, uh, what comes into our eyes visually, uh, the relationships that we keep. But it is very important and it would be good to discuss with your partner uh, any areas through which the temptations seem to come. Uh, God said a lot to us in the Bible, not just about sin, but the means or the avenues through which sin comes. And Jesus said uh, the avenues through which sin comes is a, is a serious matter and we ought to give it uh, a lot of attention and we ought to be ruthless about uh, cutting off and, and minimizing the input that uh, leads us to sin. Certainly we can't escape temptation in the world, but we need to minimize it as much as possible. And one of the most difficult areas is relationships. And we deal with a couple of passages there that we underscore. And it is good to honestly assess what relationships in my life are um, opening my life up for temptation, whether it's you know uh, using vocabulary I shouldn't use, maybe it's uh, following the crowd into some kind of compromise, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, I, I need to be clear with my partner about assessing uh, his or her life to make sure that we are uh, careful. Now, I know that's going to bring criticism and a lot of people see folks that are concerned about holiness and pursuing holiness as being a little too selective about the things that they watch or things that they read or the people they hang out with. But the Bible has a lot to say about this and we need to be um, careful, wise, of course, that we have to be reasonable in how we function. We can't be uh, uh, monks or go uh, be reclusive up in the mountains, but we need to be thoughtful and discerning and careful and you can help your partner think through those specifics. The next section is extended and we call it, uh, I've called it the gray areas. And by that I mean areas of life that uh, may be hard to determine whether I should or shouldn't do them because there's nothing in the Bible that specifically prohibits it. Uh, there's nothing about it being specifically commanded. Uh, but what we're looking at here is really the expressions of sin that, that I can fall into, things that I can do uh, and maybe not be able to see a Bible verse about it specifically, uh, but end up being not only a means to sin, but sin in and of themselves. And so we need to sort those out. And I spend a lot of time, nine different things that I bring up, questions to ask about any activity that would help us sort those things out. This is a very helpful thing to do. Uh, and uh, every Christian should spend time doing that, looking at the things that they're involved in and asking the questions that I ask. And the first one uh, is simply, does the Bible address this in any way? Is there any specific command that relates to this particular practice, whatever it might be? Uh, and that's where you're going to need to um, either be a master of, you know, the, the topics and subjects of the Bible or defer to Bible study tools. Of course, uh, Bible software can be very helpful in this regard, and a lot of the books or resources within Bible software can be very helpful. Uh, any of the topical Bibles, uh, even uh, the Treasury Scripture Knowledge, these cross-reference works that we have, just to be able to locate themes and Bible uh, topics 
that can get us to really figure out if there's any passage in the scripture that would relate to the kind of thing uh, that I'm trying to determine whether it stays in my life or whether it doesn't, whether it's okay and it's not gonna lead to sin or not gonna be sin for me or whether it is a stumbling block and it is sin for me. So in the back, you'll see in the very last section in the book list, the resource list, the last section of that resource list, I list several books, uh, print copies, which many of them are electronic now, that you can look through uh, and have your, um, your partner utilize and, 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 and look through to figure out whether or not uh, the Bible addresses the topic at all. So that, that's the hardest one, uh, but it is one that's going to take a little homework and maybe even some consultation uh, with other Christians that know more about um, the Bible from cover to cover, and they can help identify passages that relate to the specific issue that's, uh, that's in question. In question two through nine, I just list passages that relate to helping us determine and discern whether or not we should be involved in an activity. And they relate from, as you know, you've been through it, but they, they relate to um, issues of whether it's a stumbling block for someone else, uh, whether it's something that is in keeping with the character of Christ, uh, whether it's something that would bring shame to me at Christ's return, or maybe even a mature Christian uh, knowing about or seeing what I'm doing, uh, whether it's going to embolden someone's conscience to do the same thing, but for them it's uh, going to cause them to sin and violate their conscience. And so to work through all of those is helpful, and I try to use a, a repeating pattern here that folks can uh, go and, and assess any topic that they're dealing with or any questionable issue, any gray area, and be able to make those determinations. So um, good to see how they've done. It would be good for you to look at how they've done in, in taking various topics and applying them to those questions and maybe helping them think that through a little more thoroughly. Uh, I preached a sermon series that's available online where we go through Romans chapter 14, which really does a lot of the same thing uh, under different headings, but we use the passage there in Romans 14, and we also spend a lot of time in 1 Corinthians as well to show how the issue of meat sacrifice to idols or the uh, ceremonial laws of the Old Testament that kind of conditioned the conscience of people in the first century, how those principles can help us. So uh, if there's some question about this or this section is confusing or it doesn't really bring closure, that's a resource that's available for free online. People can download those sermons and uh, listen to those, and that may help bring clarity uh, to whether or not the issues that they're questioning and thinking about, whether they should be engaged in or should be uh, avoided in their Christian life. I use the very last verse in Romans 14 as the last question, and that is if there's any conflict within us or there's any doubt. And uh, that's a great catch-all because in reality, God is at work in our lives as Christians. The Spirit of God dwells within us, the Bible says. And of course, we have a conscience that's conditioned by the Spirit and uh, is renewed uh, as we spend time in the Word. So uh, if there's conflict in our lives, I mean, the bottom line is if there's any doubt, if there's any conflict, uh, that we shouldn't do it. We should refrain. We should refrain not only for the sake of other people in the church, if uh, it's questionable or causes other people to, to stumble with the biblical definition of what that means. Uh, but certainly if there's any conflict within us, uh, we need to be we're better off just avoiding those things, whatever they might be, because God has given us a conscience and he wants us to carefully guard that as our spirit and his spirit uh, cohabitate, uh, so to speak, and uh, we together, uh, the Spirit of God impresses upon my spirit to give clarity about the, the details uh, of what would be helpful, edify, edifying, and, and uh, profitable for my life and what would not be, what would be a, a necessary source of temptation. So uh, that's a good one to spend time on, even if you don't mention every other one or spend time thinking those through that last one of conflict and bringing some specific issues to bear on 
internal conflict and doubt, uh, that'd be a great place to end that section on gray areas. I wrap up chapter 10 with a um, discussion about our fight with sin that is really based on um, a breakdown of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Um, very common verse. Many of us learn it as kids, but it's a very helpful. Every section of that verse is helpful in getting us to have hope and uh, to garner strength and to be able to see our temptations as something that God uh, will give us the resources to conquer and that God expects us to, uh, to make progress in conquering. So we go through those uh, phrases one at a time and we look at those and the whole goal of that is to end with hope and uh, to give your partner a sense of hope in his or her walk with God and fight against uh, sin and temptation. Now, uh, inevitably, as I've taken people through partners, there's that uh, sense of concern that many people have, that they have failures in their past that uh, they struggle with. It's hard to get a hopeful, optimistic, uh, kind of vict victorious mindset when they're really struggling with the guilt of past failures. So maybe good to just take a little excursus at the end here and uh, if that's your partner's uh, concern and go to passages like John 21, look at Christ's restoration of Peter there, how Peter had failed in uh, Caiaphas's courtyard with the servant girl there denying Christ three times and then needs to be restored by Christ there, that special post-resurrection appearance of Christ by the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And, and that whole exchange is so helpful in seeing God uh, re reaffirming his love for Peter, trying to get Peter to reaffirm his love for Christ, uh, that God wants him to get back on the beam, back in the game, uh, wants to have Peter embrace the grace of God, the forgiveness of Christ, and be able to get back into ministry. And so uh, you may need to, in this last section, spend a little time there just giving that sense of, uh, of hope that God expects that we're going to stumble and fail. There will be sin, but we need to get up and uh, we need to not allow Satan to take that failure and uh, kind of paralyze us and stymie our, our ministry and our growth and our forward progress. Um, very important. And, and a discussion about guilt would be helpful there too. Guilt is designed by God to, to drive us back uh, to repentance. As Christians, when we fail, we feel guilty because we've done something guilt-worthy. And now God wants us to confess our sins. Uh, he's faithful. He's righteous to forgive our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He just wants us, like Psalm 32, Psalm 51 says, to be open about our sin. As Proverbs says, to confess it and forsake it. And God then gives grace. He gives uh, restoration. He, uh, he can get past our guilt feelings and drive us back to getting up, moving on, and moving forward. And I know it's frustrating, particularly as we become more and more hungry for righteousness. Uh, every stumble, every fall, it uh, can hurt worse and worse. But you want to encourage your partner uh, not to be overly discouraged or overwhelmed with guilt. Confess it, forsake it, renounce it, get up and move on. And so if you can end with that kind of uh, positive, optimistic uh, feel in this chapter, that would be fantastic. And you want to encourage your partner uh, to keep moving forward. And if there are particular things, particularly in chapter 10, sometimes issues uh, are, are a surface in, in chapter 10 and there needs to be some ongoing accountability. Certainly we'd like to encourage that. Your 10 chapter study is over and you're going to encourage them to move on. If of course you feel they're qualified and ready to take someone through partners uh, and you need to give that information to the partner's director, but uh, you want to make sure that you keep a relationship going. Uh, it can't be quite as time consuming as maybe you uh, invested in, in during the, the partner's 10-week uh, study itself, but uh, to stay in touch and to use some of the things in chapter 10 to use um, 
as, as kind of a catalyst for discussion and accountability and ongoing dialogue about Christian life, Christian progress, uh, that would be great. So uh, hopefully these uh, 10 chapters have given a, a full-orbed, well-rounded uh, kind of motivation and accountability for your partner, and you guys can feel good, uh, you and your partner, about time well spent, something that I hope will bear a lot of fruit in your life and in your partner's life.